We return with a new edition of the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza. ESPN Milwaukee's Eric Name stops by, discusses all things Milwaukee Bucks with us. That includes the new hire of Mike Budenholzer as head coach, what it means for the organization, and what to expect from the team possibly moving forward. Plus, we also discuss the Sterling Brown video footage that was released and what it means to for Sterling, for the community, for the team, especially with the statement the team made. You'll hear all that more in about 15 seconds. Check it out here on the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza. It's Jay Kokorowski here alongside the Polish rifle, Scott Wisniewski, bringing you, uh, it's been a little while, apologies on that, it's on me, but uh, we are excited. Uh, lots happened uh, in about the two, three weeks we've, we've done a show. Uh, Brewers, best record, if I'm not mistaken, in the National League, uh, and uh, or one of the best records at the very least, uh, swept the Arizona Diamondbacks this uh, what this week early already uh, heading into Memorial Day weekend and of course Milwaukee Bucks uh, big news with the head coach uh, with Mike Budenholzer Holder, Holzer being named the head coach uh, and to join us talking about it of course we love having him on talking to Bucks all the time it is ESPN Wisconsin e, or ESPN Wisconsin ESPN Milwaukee's Eric name Eric how you doing buddy I, I know you've been busy. I'm good. How are you guys? We are rolling. We are rolling. It's nice to be back doing a podcast. I'll be honest with you, doing the day job stuff. It's nice to actually get back to doing something uh, with a little bit of passion there. And uh, it's when it comes to, you know, talking about Bucks and, and obviously uh, the big news with the, with the announcement of, of the new head coach. But uh, we wanted to kind of lead off and just talk about uh, what was released to, earlier today. We are recording on Wednesday evening and Earlier on Wednesday night, uh, you know, Milwaukee police released the video, the, the arrest video uh, of, of, you know, Bucks player Sterling Brown. Um, when it comes to, you know, and then, you know, the Bucks and Sterling both released their statements. Um, just overall, uh, you know, gathering everything and just your thoughts on, on the situation and, and, and what, you know, what can be done forward. Uh, you know, just and from what you're seeing with just, you know, the Bucks and, and, and what Sterling's going to do and, and then, like, just working with the organization. Yeah, I mean, I, I think when you look at kind of what happened, I I tweeted out at the beginning of the night and people have been getting upset about it, but um, this is, if you're curious why NFL players want the ability to kneel on the sidelines and protest, you should watch the Sterling Brown video. Like, that's that's the reason why uh, and just kind of the, the systemic racism that can exist in this country and uh, certainly at times in the city of Milwaukee as well. And um, I mean, I just think this is uh, obviously a huge story and uh, the city of Milwaukee has said that, you know, that their officers were in the wrong and uh, they had used excessive force. And uh, I just think this is, I mean, it's going to drag out for a while now uh, as Sterling Brown is filing this lawsuit, so it's it's going to be a little while, and uh, I think it was interesting to see the organization file as strong of a statement as they did. Um, their official statement uh, 
was, I mean, I don't think they minced words. They were very uh, adamant about their support for Sterling Brown and, you know, how uh, I think they used the word shameful and inexcusable um, action by the Milwaukee Police Department. So, I mean, that's a really strong statement from a professional sports team about the police department in the city where they're from. So um, this is, I mean, I just think this is, uh, an important conversation and one I think that's going to go on for a while and you, you do wonder if it gets ugly at some point because I mean this is a big institution in the Milwaukee Bucks that are building a downtown arena um, that you know are trying to revitalize downtown and they're going kind of head to head with one of the major organizations in that city so th- this is going to be really interesting to watch. You know, Eric, uh, despite, you know, the video and, and, and whatnot, there's still going to be a portion of the fan base that's going to be upset no matter how this would have turned out. So much like the national anthem uh, con- controversy that, that, that struck the NFL. So it's it's certainly a, 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 a very interesting predicament that not only the, the Milwaukee Police Department, but but in some ways even the Milwaukee Bucks find themselves in because regardless of what whose side you would take on this, right, there's going to be a portion that's going to be upset at the other side. So some fans might be upset at the Bucks for uh, the harsh words against the police department, right? And some other people yeah. are going to continue to have, you know, this, 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 uh, this anger towards the police that that's been kind of festering for the last three or four years in the city. So it's just really, uh, it's a sad, first of all, it's a sad situation that, that this even had to happen, but, but now the, the fallout of it, it can be very, very interesting as we move forward. Absolutely. And like you said, it's going to be a divisive issue. There's really no way around it. Like there's going to be people that, you know, no matter what would come out are going to support the, the players on the on the Bucks and you know what Sterling Brown is going through and goes through all that and then there'll be other people that you know will support the Milwaukee Police Department no matter what and I don't know if there's much convincing either of those sides right like mm-hmm. this is just going to be people going back and forth with each other and um, like you said it's an interesting predicament for the organization to be in like this is just a it's, a, it's a, I think it's Frankly, it's a tough spot because you do want to support your team. You do want to support one of your players. You want to support your team. Uh, you want to support your community. Um, and, you know, part of supporting your community is being abreast of issues that are going on in your community. And it appears that the Bucks thought this was a big enough issue that they wanted to go out, on, I would say, somewhat on a limb, like to go out and uh, – be as strong as they were in their statement, I think does say something about what they think about uh, the Milwaukee community and uh, kind of how they think they can help it out. So <laughs> this is a, a, a totally fascinating spot just because it, it's rare to see a team that, you know, could possibly offend fans. And like you said, there's probably going to be a part of the fan base that they offend by doing this, that, you know, you do come out this strong and, and you are willing to kind of stick your neck out there a little bit. So this is it's a, it's a totally fascinating situation and one where um, I, I don't know if we've seen a team react to a news story like this. Yeah, yeah and Eric, you, you know, you hit on, you said, you know, there's sometimes there's no convincing. And unfortunately, that's the day and age we live on, uh, live in with social media being what it is, whether it's politics, whether it's social issues, hell, whether it's sports on your, your uh, radio station's uh, Facebook page, there's no convincing, right? Sometimes it doesn't matter how much evidence, how much fact. And and to bring us to the to the next point, 
some people, while by and large, I think a lot of people are happy with the with the head coach, the head coaching decision the Bucks made. There's still a part of the fan base. I mean, it's sometimes you just can do no right by by certain members. But what are your your what's your take on on the hire and and do you think this was the the best choice? Was it the right choice? Uh, would you have done something different? I think it's in it's a choice that's hard to argue. And again, like you said, some people will, uh, because some people like to rage against the machine and, uh, always be upset about stuff. So some people will do that, but I do think this is a, a move to me that in many ways feels safe. Uh, you're looking at a guy that had put in 17 years in a, as an assistant in the Spurs organization, which is something around the league that people are trying to get a part of, right? Like you're always looking for, people from that Spurs tree, people from the Greg Popovich tree, how do you bring them in? So you were able to find that. Also, that guy had five years of experience in Atlanta coaching five. They were over 500 in those five years. And if not for this rebuilding year in, in year five of his time in Atlanta, that winning percentage for Mike Boonholzer is probably closer to 600. Uh, so this is a guy that's won a bunch of games, and, and I think if you're the Milwaukee Bucks, you're going into this new arena, you know that you have Giannis, uh, and you want to convince him that, hey, this is the place that you want to sign your next, next extension, you want to sign that Supermax in a couple of years, you want to play your whole career here, you need to find a way to win some games. So you find the most proven winner on the market, and I think by – a pretty wide margin. That was Mike Boonholzer. So you go after Mike Boonholzer and you make that hire. But where do I think it's the right choice? I throughout this process, I had said that I would probably go with someone's assistant just because I think we can stay with confidence that Mike Boonholzer is not Brad Stevens, is not Greg Popovich. He's not one of the five best coaches in the league. He's very well one of the six to fifteen best coaches in the league, which is very good and very helpful. Um, but I don't know if there's a home run in him as a hire. So uh, I would have said, you know, you go for an assistant, you, you know, maybe you can find that next guy that's going to be the NBA's next great coach. Um, but maybe that's just because I'm a little bit less risk adverse. Like I'm not the one that's actually in charge of making sure the Bucks win games. And I'm not the one that has to make sure that Giannis stays. I'm just some commenter on the side that can kind of, you know, take more risks. So, uh, I, like I said, I, I think overall it's really hard to argue uh, against hiring Mike Boonholzer. I think it's safe. I think it's good. I think the Bucks probably win 50 games next year. We're with Eric Name from ESPN Milwaukee, ESPN Wisconsin, here on the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza, brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. And, Eric, what do you feel with Giannis and Chris, you know, Middleton and – others on, on the on the squad where do you think you know, where could he help i mean and, and by the way you know you hear eric too on lockdown bucks and i was binge listening the past couple of days when eric agreed to be on the show so i i'm trying to process all the information that you have on lockdown bucks this is an amazing podcast you guys should all check it out uh, on the lockdown uh, podcast network you guys you and frank madden do amazing things uh, on that site uh and frank's the founder of brew hoop com which is our SB Nation cousins that cover the Bucks, but you know with with the roster that it, that that it is right now, and yeah, I know that Giannis and I believe it was Chris Middleton as well that met with Budenholzer, you know, prior to the the hire being announced. Uh, what you know, how do you feel that 
he could impact the development and the continued progression of Giannis, but also with the pieces that are here right now, where it could go or where these players could go and develop and what could, how could he help uh, them do so? I think the big thing with Mike Budenholzer is there's kind of two things that he focuses on. And um, in the last week, I found out that this is kind of a misconception, but uh, a lot of people believe him to be a great offensive mind. And they believe that because the Hawks have played a version of Spurs basketball where it's, you know, real pretty basketball, a lot of player movement, a lot of ball movement, and just hoping for those beautiful basketball sequences and, and getting many of them. Uh, so I think a lot of people think of him as an offensive guy, but really his strong point is defense. He is, he's a great defensive coach. He had uh, three seasons of top five defense while he was in Atlanta, and that is what he coaches well. That is what he's able to do well. And uh, I think throughout this process we've heard him mention that defense is where he sees the greatest potential for this team in whether it was the introductory press conference, other chats that we've been able to have with him outside of a, a press conference format, whatever it is, defense is what he mentions first, whether it's prompted or not, whether someone asks about the defense or not, he is going to talk about defense. So to me, I think that's where the potential is. When uh, you see the all defensive team come out this, this week, or excuse me, today, and you see that, Giannis isn't on the first or second team. He was second team last year. And I think you would hope that the progression is, you know, he's a first teamer this year and then he's in the conversation of defensive player of the year. And to me, that's kind of what we've heard from Mike Boonholzer, that that is what he's really looking to help Giannis improve at is being the, the linchpin of a, a great defense. And the Bucks have struggled defensively for the last couple of years. So to me, that's where I think he's helping the most. Um, as far as it comes to Giannis, offensively, I think Giannis will continue to get better. He's insanely infi- efficient as it is. Um, so I think he'll get better there. But defense is where I really think he believes there's that potential for Giannis. And then when you look at the rest of the roster and what he's going to be able to do, the big thing with Boonholzer, defense and then player development. The, there's the kind of the idea of Hawks University is what they called it. And again, Mike was very clear that he didn't coin that term, but that's kind of the term that they've used for his ability to develop wing players and get them better, uh, whether that's as a shooter, playmaker, defender, whatever it is, he gets the most out of guys on the wing. And if you're thinking about this Bucks team, I mean, you have a wing in Chris Middleton who's coming off a career year. So if he can improve that even more, I think that's really exciting. Uh, you look at a guy like Sterling Brown that we're talking about right now in the news, but he was someone who didn't get a ton of playing time this last year. Maybe he can be something next year. You look at Malcolm Brogdon, who had some injury problems this year. If he can get even better, you look at Tony Snell, uh, who had had a great year that got him the contract this past offseason and then a little bit of a down year this year. If he can help all those guys out, all of a sudden you have one of those you have one of those lineups that when it comes to playoff time, they can switch all these actions. They can play make a little bit. They can get to the rim. They can hit some threes. They can do everything. And that would be the hope that once you get to the playoffs, you have all these bodies that you can throw at uh, any other team. So Eric, I, I, I posted this on Facebook. And by the way, I changed my name on Facebook for everybody out there to Scott L. Wisniewski because there's somebody with a similar name as mine that posts some of the more inflammatory things on some of the uh, uh, sports uh, sports like your station's uh, oh, Facebook no. page. You sure that's not you, Scotty? You, oh, I'm you, sure you it's sure not about me. that, man? So, 
So look for the L when you're looking for it. It's it's ridiculous. But anyway, uh, some some scary facts, Eric. So since 1991, the Bucks have only placed higher than sixth in the conference one time. Since 1989, they've only won two playoff series, and, and both of those happened in 2000. So there, there's not a whole uh, legacy of winning here to follow. I think that there's some good pieces here, but I think they need to add something. Now, if, if you're the front office, uh, if you're if you're the Bucks, what what pieces are you looking to add? What are you looking to shore up? And I know it's it's too early to start having these conversations because the NBA Finals haven't even started yet. But who are some potential uh, targets that the Bucks might be looking for in the offseason to improve this roster, and make it a little bit more deep, which I think they really need. Yeah, I think what's interesting with this Bucks team is that. Uh, because of some of the contracts they signed in the summer of 2016, they are pretty much capped out. Like they, they'll be able to use a mid-level exception this summer, um, and then they'll be able to use some of the biannual exception. They'll be able to use some of the smaller exceptions. So they can only really move around the margins unless they make uh, a trade, which if you're thinking about trades, I would be interested to see what happens with Eric Bledsoe this summer. He only has a year left on his contract. Um, obviously kind of disappointed during the postseason. He just, didn't really play up to the level that they needed. He was getting outplayed by Terry Rozier, um, who went on to have a, a really strong postseason, but at the same time was a backup for most of this year. So uh, I don't think that's exactly what you wanted to see there. So if you're talking about larger moves, I think uh, Eric Bledsoe, to me, is someone to keep an eye on, whether or not he comes back to this team next year. So that would be the bigger move. And then um, I think largely you're looking more for – uh, guys on the fringe that can kind of help out. Um, Dwayne Dedman is a popular name. Uh, he's a center uh, who had played in San Antonio for Greg Popovich and then uh, played in Atlanta for Mike Boonholzer and someone that this year they added uh, the three-point shot to and he can do some stuff at the rim and he's a solid defender. So, again, I don't know if there's like, super exciting names, but that's one that I think of. Um, I know Wayne Ellington is a free agent this offseason, and he's turned into a really great shooter in Miami, um, and he might be able to be had for the full mid-level exception. Uh, so that'd be another thing. And I think overall you're looking to to continue to add skills. When you think about this Bucks roster, you need to find uh, guys that can do a number of different things or I guess be exceptionally good in just one area. Like if you look at Wayne Allington, he's just a fantastic three-point shooter, um, and that could really help out this Bucks roster. So for me, it, it has to be smaller uh, acquisitions because I don't know that there's another big move out there. Um, and then I even got into Jabari Parker this summer, and that's one that just kind of hangs over this entire uh, entire entire offseason. Like that's the question of this offseason. Like what does Jabari Parker want for a contract and will he be back in Milwaukee next year? And I don't have a good answer to that because uh, I think those two sides are, are pretty far apart at the moment. So no LeBron, right? Uh, I mean, if he really wants to come, I think they could find a way to uh, get the cap space, but I haven't heard any whispers of that quite yet, no. <laughs> I knew that was far-fetched, but, you know, a Wisconsin <laughs> fan base, they, they can, they can yeah, just throwing it out there, just just seeing how, how sure. he look in the, yeah. the Cream City alternative jersey with, with Giannis, and then... Yeah, get the hashtag going, LeBron2MKE, like, you got it. Yeah, I mean, you know, new coach, new that, I mean... Yeah, you could see a big three yeah. there. I mean, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> so, Eric, here, here's another question. I know she was interviewed by the Milwaukee Bucks, but 
when does Becky Hammond get hired? When does she become the first uh, female NBA head coach? I think probably a couple of years yet. Uh, when you look at the the process for becoming an NBA head coach, I think largely uh, you get your first interview as a head coach, which Becky Hammond got from the Milwaukee Bucks uh, this past or this last month. Um, so you get that first interview, and then you probably get a second interview, uh, and then maybe in that second or third interview. So maybe this is next summer. You get to move on to the next stage of an interview process with whoever it may be, um, mm -hmm. whatever team is looking for Like the Bucks interviewed uh, Atari Messina from the San Antonio Spurs and Mike Boonholzer. Those were their two second interviews. I think you see her progress into a second interview stage and then, you know, maybe be one of the finalists for a job and then ultimately get it. But I, I do think largely this takes, this takes time, um, and some some coaches are able to skip through all of that, but uh, I think with as harshly as she is graded by people just because she's the first uh, to do these type of things, I think it, it is going to take her a couple of years. So I would say if I had a guess, maybe two years from now, two summers from now, we'll be talking about Becky Hammond and her and the first female head coach in the NBA, but maybe, it, maybe it's longer, maybe it's next summer, but uh, I think we're getting very close, I would say that. Eric, man. Scott, you got anything else, man? I think we... I do. Yeah, go for it, man. I, I do. I have one. I, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but the other thing that's right around the corner, we talk about free agency with trades and how you add to this roster, but there's still the NBA draft, right? And the Bucks are picking uh, 17th, you know, not necessarily a, a super deep draft, but, you know, there's some sleepers to be found. And again, I, I'm sure that, you know, we're, we're again, we're not even through the NBA uh, finals yet, but is there somebody that stands out as somebody we should keep our eye on early on uh, when the Bucks do pick down in the middle of the first round there, somebody that you think stands out that the Bucks might be looking to target. I try really hard not to do this because I think it leads to, you know, some biases where you're starting to find the reasons why you like the person that you think you like sure. so much. But uh, both of the bridges I think are very interesting, whether it's Michael Bridges or Miles Bridges, uh, obviously who both of you guys would know quite well as the Badgers play Michigan State regularly. Um, but I think those two are guys that I'd be looking for. Those are would be guys I would have to drop to the Bucks because uh, both of them are seen as lottery picks, but it could happen. Uh, they are at 17. They're not all that far outside of the lottery. Uh, so I think those are two interesting guys. And then from there, I'm the thing I'm always kind of looking at is uh, wing players, uh, guys that are off ball that can you know shoot the three a little bit, play a little defense, have good size. Uh, so there's uh, I think three guys that I really look at, and, and I think it's tough to figure out exactly where they will go. Uh, but they are three guys that are very interesting to me. Lonnie Walker, the fourth out of Miami, uh, he was a freshman shooting guard. Uh, did some nice stuff from three, sometimes forced his own shot a little bit, but uh, 6'4", I think 6'10", wingspan for him. Uh, so he's someone that I'm interested in. Dante DiVincenzo, uh, obviously he had that insane national championship game and really put together, I thought, a great, a great NCAA tournament and obviously uh, put together two solid years at uh, Villanova. And then uh, the final person that I would say is Troy Brown. Uh, he is another shooting guard and uh, someone that, you know, it's always tough for me to figure out exactly uh, where these guys will go and what they'll be uh, going forward. But 
it's just another guy that I think it's really important in the modern NBA to be able to do, be good at everything. You don't necessarily have to excel at anything. And that's kind of what I think about with Troy Brown. Like he's not a perfect shooter. He's not uh, just this insane athlete, but he's good at everything. He's good across the board. And I think when you watch the Eastern Conference Finals right now, you see a guy like Jalen Brown, uh, who's just kind of good at everything. And Troy Brown's kind of in that same mold. 6'7", 6'10", wingspan, big, strong, athletic, does a little bit of everything. Uh, He was a freshman at Oregon this past year. So uh, those would be the guys that I'm circling, thinking about heading into the NBA draft. One quick follow-up to that. Any chance, because if you look at where people project them, the top two high school players in this draft, uh, Anthony Simons and Mitchell Robinson, so are, are kind of projected somewhere between 16 and 21 if they go in the first round. Um, would the Bucks, in your mind, take a chance on a high school, or is it too big of a gamble for a team that's looking for pieces that can contribute? Because these high schoolers aren't the LeBron James type, right? So would it be too much of a project at, at this juncture? I don't really think that it would scare off John Horst. Obviously, he kind of – I mean, he learned everything through John Hammond. If there's one thing that we know of John Hammond, it's that he's totally, utterly unafraid – of taking a chance in the draft. Like you can see that in Giannis, you can see that in Don Maker. So I don't think he would be afraid of making that pick uh, and going after a high school guy. It's just a matter of if he feels that, you know, those two guys or if either one of those guys can be an impact player for the Bucks. So I don't think he'd be afraid of it. Um, but, you know, you, you do have to trust that guy, those guys and, you know, it can be a little bit more difficult to get a, a solid scouting report on either of them. Eric, man, as always, you're our go-to for Bucks. Everything Bucks here on the podcast, man. Appreciate you. Would love to talk uh, in a few weeks. Just draft, free agency stuff down the line, man. I look forward to it. See you guys later. Excellent. That's Eric Name. Thanks, Eric. Oh, great stuff from him as usual. Follow him on Twitter as a, I'm a terrible host and I should really have this up already. Uh, but yeah, Eric E R I C underscore name N E H M. And, uh, also check out lockdown bucks and all the stuff on ESPN, Wisconsin.com ESPN, Milwaukee. And, uh, on that note, let's take a quick break. We'll wrap up the show in just a few, you know, a couple of seconds here on the Kielbasa King sports extravaganza. Wrapping up the show here, another edition of the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza, of course, brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. And like I said, big thanks to Eric Name again for talking some Sterling Brown and, and the strong and the impressive stance that the Bucks took uh, with with what happened with the arrest back in January. Also talking about Mike Bo- uh, Budenholzer uh, and the hire there. I, I, again, uh, Eric's our go-to guy for Bucks. Great stuff. Uh, always love having him on. And Scotty, you know, keeping with Milwaukee. We'll talk Packers OTAs hopefully next week or the week after uh, talking draft picks too. But then also, uh, you know, we got Badger talk down the road. Uh, we'll hold off on that stuff for a little while. But yeah, uh, yeah, you know, the big news, Milwaukee Brewers, three game sweep of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Mm-hmm. Best record in the National League. Third best behind Boston and Houston in the majors. Coming off a big, and they exploded for runs today uh, in, a, in a big win. And it's a combination of everything. I mean, it's, I mean, yeah, the, pitch, the starting pitching is not getting the 
the you know deep runs, but that bullpen is phenomenal. Uh, Jeremy Jeffress is is looking solid and confident, especially with that strut he had a couple of games ago, or it was last night. For that matter. Yeah, uh, yes, yes. And but here's the thing: bullpens can wear out if they're overused. I still feel like this starting rotation is going to come back to the pack. And I also like to point out that the Brewers had a six and a half game lead over the Cubs last year around the all-star break. Didn't make a move. The Cubs did. And the Cubs passed the Brewers. Now I'm not saying that's going to happen this year. And I hope it doesn't. And maybe the pitching staff has outperformed their expectations. They always talk about pitching coaches being the difference. Maybe it's Manny Pena. We'll talk more about that next week. I'm setting the table. We're going to tease a little bit. I'm going to talk about Manny Pena. I want to talk about any moves that need to be made. We're seven weeks from the all-star break. That's when you usually start seeing some things happen. Uh, where does Ryan Braun fit into this, this team when he comes back? Uh, there's a host of, of topics. And, and I think we're doing a nice little tease. Cause when we talk next week, we'll be right at the end of the, this homestand uh, where the Mets play, they come Mets come in for four and the Cardinals for three. They can come out of this, you know, this seven games at the very worst four and three, you know, we've got a lot to talk about. Um, but again, I, I still think there's a move that needs to be made. Yes. Jimmy Nelson looks like he's on the path to recovery. That helps the staff. But we're going to see. I really hope that they maybe they learned something from the the collapse last year or the mini collapse, um, and they they learned how to uh, grit things out and and learn from some of the, the the pressure situations they were put on. We'll find out. It's a long season. We're we're by Monday we'll be a th- by Memorial Day we'll be exactly a third of the way through it for the Brewers. Right, fifty four exactly. games in. So you know that's when you start. Everybody says you start looking at the standings on Memorial Day. So on Memorial Day, the Brewers have a, a pretty good chance of being atop this division still. And then you, you really start to have some conversations about, all right, well, what happens next? So it's going to be interesting. I can't wait till next week to talk, uh, to make it a, a baseball episode. Uh, barring any other major, major news, I think we'll be pretty heavy Brewers next week. Yeah, it will be. It'll be very interesting to see how that goes. And you know, obviously we'll see how the Brewers end up. And like I said, it's still, like you mentioned, it's still so early on. I mean, they are 12 games over 500. That's great. They do have a three and a half game lead over both, you know, the Cubs, Pittsburgh and St. Louis currently, but it is still so early on. And so they'll have to, I mean, and like you like you mentioned before, there was a big game, big lead last year. We'll see what what Milwaukee does uh, to to sure up if they're what if they feel confident or if they add another arm. Like I said, I I still feel like they're pitching ace or they're pitching MVP. Uh, besides Josh Hader, uh, you know, in terms of starting pitcher, won't be decided until. I think at the end of the year, I think there will be some form of a move. I, I that's just my yeah. gut. Uh, I think that that'll take them over the edge, uh, but we'll see how that goes, uh, especially with all the rotations they've had with sending guys up and down to make spot, uh, spot starts uh, and utilizing Brent Suter, who who pitched well again today uh, yeah. after, after giving up those two runs early on. So uh, on that note, anything? I'm trying to think. If there's anything else really in the world of sports that? Uh, oh no, nothing that stands out. It's, I think you know. Again, this was a, a rightfully so a Bucks, a heavy Bucks uh, episode next week. Again, we'll talk baseball and some other things that might pop up. I'm really not interested in talking about horse racing. The horses to me are the athletes and they can't talk. So, um, except Mr. Ed, but that was a whole different story. 
So I, I think that that's a good place to end this and uh, looking forward to next week, my friend. And, and, and hopefully everybody out there has a safe and happy Memorial Day weekend. Exactly. Everyone be safe. Enjoy your barbecues, but be responsible driving uh, and your drinking too. Uh, and then on that note for, you know, big thanks again to Eric name. I, I absolutely always, whenever he joins the show, it's a lot of fun and you get a lot of insight too, uh, even with my stupid LeBron question. So uh, for the Polish rifle, Scott Wisniewski, this is Jay Kokorowski. Make sure uh, on Twitter at Kilbasa Kings, WI at B five Q at Scott Wisniewsk2 and at Jake Coco, K-O-C-O-B-5-Q. We'll catch you guys next week. Be well. Dozo Pachenia. Another edition of the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza.